Good morning, ladies and gentle germs. It is your boy, Mike Facile. Welcome you to today's episode. Now, I'm super excited for the guest that I have today. He is my close friend, Chris Winters, who at 42 years old was homeless. He was homeless, guys. He literally had no place to stay. He was living out of a car and using vegetable oil to run it. His wife and his kids ended up leaving him around this time, so he was forced to make a decision. Guys, it doesn't matter how low your life is. I mean, his this guy's life was low, but... It was super inspirational to dig deep into the conversation on not only how he was able to get from such a rut in his life to making $1.5 million in profit his first year, holy shit, as well as scaling his company to $1 million a month profit. We're going to go talk about everything. We're talking about systems, biohacking, how he spends $30,000 on stem cells to make sure he lives longer. All of this is included in today's episode. So if you like this, make sure you share it to a friend and let's create one epic movement so that everyone can level up. Guys, welcome to today's episode. I want to introduce you to my friend, one of my close homies, someone that has just moved to Asia so that we can spend more time podcasting. He is named Chris Winters. Welcome to the show, everybody. Let's go, Chris. <laughs> Did you get a little scared? Yeah, I got a little scared. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm actually super excited to have you on here because, I mean, you are one of the most interesting human beings I've ever met. Like, seriously, all the things that you've done in your life is a testament for someone out there, like, watching or listening to this. If they're complaining about, like, their little, like, pity story or they're playing a victim game or they think that they can't actually succeed or they feel like they're the underdog, right? I hear your story and it always gives not just me hope as a young entrepreneur, but I think everyone that you're reaching, even though you're reaching them indirectly because you're not even really focusing on your personal brand. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I get yeah. that a lot on that. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I didn't get started yeah. in really in life until I was 42 years old. Um, and prior to that, I mean, the most I had ever made in my life, my highest income year was 39 thousand eight hundred dollars and that's mm. before taxes so it's nothing you know it's absolutely and that was at 42 years old i mean i had my whole life to do that um and uh, at the time 42 years old i was homeless mm. in a car uh a 1982 mercedes and that and the nice thing about those things is that you can do a little adjustment on the carburetor mm-hmm. um, and i'm not mechanical at all and you can make it run off of uh, vegetable oil mm. So I had this really cool arrangement with the local restaurants where I'd go by and I would say, hey, can I pick up your vegetable oil? Because normally they've got to pay somebody to pick it up, right? I'll pick it up for free every week. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Go ahead and do that. So I'd filter it out and I had all the fuel that I wanted. Yeah, it's so. insane. Because like, <laughs> I want to, and I don't know if um, you ever know the story of how I met you, because I kind of just like stumbled upon your dinner table. I almost like crashed it. Okay. In uh, Singapore, I think it was a year or two ago. Do you remember okay. that? I, I, go ahead. Did you're, oh, my God. Okay, so it's so interesting um, because I remember my entire life, I was always working alone, right? I was, like, building my business, and I was like, oh, like, I could do this by myself. I don't need anyone's help. And I was able to scale my business pretty fast, and, uh, like, I just thought I was the hot shit, right? Like, I was a young kid. I was, like, going around, like, oh, yeah, like, and it was when when you have nothing as a kid and, you know, your parents had nothing and you're you were raised by immigrant family members and you actually felt like alone and stuck. And I remember all my friends and family were like judging me for being an entrepreneur. 
there was like almost a switch that maybe you might have had it when you first became su- successful that you wanted to almost prove them wrong by kind of being loud about your results, you know? Sure, sure. And I remember I'm, I was there and the results were pretty good for my age, but then I remember Aaron introduced us and Aaron's like, man, you gotta like, you gotta meet these like Illuminati internet marketers. <laughs> you got you just come. We're all eating crabs in Singapore. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll go. And I was telling stories to this about other people as well. I was like, because my success, I went zero to 1.5 million in sales in like 12 months. And I was like going around thinking, I was like, hot oh, shit. But then he was like telling me who's at the table. I mean, you had you, know, you, you had the person that founded uh, the Tao of Badass. They were doing like $100,000 a day. Uh, there was Gary, there was Rob, um, there was you. You were doing like, you're like a seven. I'm pretty sure you're an eight figure entrepreneur. We're all, we're all pretty quiet about it, but like, you're doing pretty well, I feel like. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm over here just, like, I have never felt more insecure, more nervous, and more scared about, like, looking at you guys. Like, how the hell am I, just a punk-ass little 22, 23-year-old, ever going to amount so much? And I actually, like, we were talking about panic attacks before uh, that we actually turned on. Yeah. And I w- never felt so much in my head just hanging around you guys eating those crabs. Well, I would have never known uh, sitting next to you on that. Yeah, no, but I remember that. Yeah. We were sitting there. Uh, I was actually doing a 24-hour fast, so I wasn't eating at that time on that. Were, were you into fasting back then? Were you yeah, yeah I was into fasting, but you guys were just like an enigma because you're like, yeah, how old do you think I am? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, how, how old do you think he is? How old do you think he is? I don't know. Be kind. Be kind. Maybe... 49. Uh, he's not being very kind. He's not being <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought he was like in his That's 30s. Right. But then you told, like you just said in your story that life started. At 42. 42. At 42, yeah. Started at 42. Um, I was um, I was living in the car. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm in front of a Starbucks. And I'm in front of the Starbucks. It's closed because I'm getting the free Wi-Fi, right? So I'm looking on the Internet, and uh, I'm grossly overweight i'm obese i'm broke i have no money and there's a fitness weight loss contest by bill phillips Mm -hmm. body for life transformation transformation and he had a new one called um uh, transformation it was a 16-week course and uh i really needed to lose the weight first prize was fifty thousand dollars i thought this is perfect I need to lose the weight. I could sure use the money. Uh-huh. So um, I was actually stupid enough to think I could win the contest. And I did. I won the contest. And I was a transformation champ for his company in 2009. Oh. Got the cash. Um, Bill Phillips really took kind of a liking to me. He took me under his wing, hanging around his home in Beverly Hills. And I'm hanging around all these amazing people that are making all this money, right? Who, who are some of the people? They were just celebrities, right? Yeah, there's like, so, yeah, there's like, uh, like Paula Abdul. Was okay. She has wow. an incredible transformation yeah. story. Um, and at the time, she was worth like $320 million and stuff. And there's just other people, Joe Polish, and there's just a lot of other heavy hitters hanging around. And they're all impressed by my transformation physical. They're like in awe of it. And I'm like, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm in awe of all your incomes and what you've done with your lives. And so um, I just bridged the gap. I said, you know what, if I can make that physical transformation, um, why can't I apply that financially you know, to other areas of your life? Um, and that's where I really kind of learned at that point at the old age of 42 that um, what you do in one area of your life, you do in all. Mm-hmm. You cannot compartmentalize things. Mm-hmm. So people who try to like 
focus on fitness and just on that fitness area only, but the other areas of their life are not healthy, it's not going to happen. It's not congruent. You want to make sure you're congruent in all areas of your life. And then it just kind of is fluid at that mm. point. It's really easy. Yeah, it's amazing because you're one of the most well-balanced people that I've ever met. Like, you're super shredded. You know, you make good money. You're not paying taxes legally. 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 We're going to put that there. That's going to be a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> and I've never seen so many people that talk about you when you're not around and they just only have nice things to say about you. But what I want to like kind of uh, go back to is, because I want to know exactly what was going on through your mind. Because when you were around, you know, the Joe Polishes, the Paul Abduls, you're surrounded by all these people that were making ridiculous amount of income and you were just in your car filling it up with vegetable oil just a couple weeks prior. What was going on in your mind? Well, at first, I remember, uh, like everyone else, I was just in awe of it kind of starstruck yeah um maybe a little bit of maybe how you felt at the dinner table back oh, in I singapore like, Man, where the hell am i but <laughs> i i think 10x more because yeah. uh instead of sitting in a restaurant i'm in a beverly hills mansion and i can't get over the fact that there's only one person that lives there which was bill phillips and he had i counted eight full-time staff there wow. i'm like wait a minute he's got eight full-time staff, that means he's probably paying them $50,000 a piece. And to me, $50,000, I'd never even, that's the first time I made $50,000 because I won that contest. And I'm like, I just could not wrap my mind around that. But, um, and then, you know, all of a sudden people come over and they're like, wait a minute, I think I know that person. Is that it's Paul Abdul. Wait a minute. <laughs> what? And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And it's like, you're just starstruck, but then you just start hanging around. You're, and, and once you're able to let go of that, you realize that they're just normal people that have high achievements in their life and they're hyper-focused. Um, and once you get over that, then it's like, mm-hmm. well, if they're doing it, why can't I do it? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, there's re- I'm seeing really no difference here. You yeah. Know, other than they're kind of, they're, they're focused and they usually have a passion. And, that, so. and it's a it's like so common for people that like make that entire switch to feel like a fraud or self imposter syndrome. You know, it's like so normal. Did you experience that when you went from, you know, the car to being surrounded by all these people, or, or did it just feel like something? L- luckily, weird? I got to skip that stage that a lot of people yeah. don't um, on that, and that's just because I was just so immersed. Yeah. In it. Um, and I think what happens, I don't know for sure, but I think what happens is that some people they will gain a lot of success quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll lose it and they'll have to and they'll usually go back down. But that's normally because they're so close to their old environment, their old mm. selves. I was completely immersed in a brand new environment. I wasn't in a car anymore. I'm hanging around Beverly Hills. Um, I've got all new friends, right? Um, so there's nothing familiar for me to like go back to and say, oh, this is where I belong and this mm. is more familiar to me. Um, so luckily I didn't. In the first year... In business, I made uh, 1.5 million in profit, um, and then uh, screw you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got that was back in 2009, and yeah. I'm just hyper focusing because mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm just hanging around people in the environment. There's so yeah. much motivation there, and then I got, then I really got a lot of attention after that because I, I did the transformation, physical, and now the financial, mm. and all these talk shows and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty fun, but the funnest thing was uh, was Dan Kennedy. 
you, you might be yeah, too. Yeah, you know, old Dan, school. He has a uh, nice mustache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> old school copywriter, but man, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from his office. I said, hey, Dan Kennedy, I'd like to like to do an interview with you. And I'm like, who's Dan Kennedy? I'm busy. No, <laughs> I'm not. busy. And I hung up the I phone. I got Paul Abdul uh, over here. Got to <laughs> hang out, you know? <laughs> and uh, I got a call back the next day from his office. I said, you might want to Google him or something because yeah. he normally doesn't do this. So he said, uh, then when she called back, she said, I'll tell you what, if you come down and t- to the studio, do about an hour of filming, he'll spend the entire day with you, which he normally charges $100,000 more. I'm like, wow, okay, I could probably do this. And I did. It was, it was just amazing. You know? Yeah, no, it, it's so insane. I think what you did was so amazing, um, the immersive side of things, because you were able to just make leaps and bounds. Like for me... My immersive period was like taking a one-way trip ticket from, you know, like a suburbs of Chicago all the way to Thailand. But even when I was like in Thailand, I was still kind of the person that was like the biggest fish, but I was just in a small pond, right? And when I met you guys at the dinner, I was like, holy crap. Like I felt so uncomfortable. I was like one of those times that you probably have never experienced this because, you know, you're like just a savage at... Mm -hmm. um, like life but like for example when i go on dates or whatever and i just feel nervous i'll just start drinking like a lot of water a lot of water i'm like i don't know what to say i'm just gonna start drinking water wouldn't even be wouldn't even be thirsty right and i was like i wouldn't even know what to say uh but it's so cool to see that entire shift in your mindset and i think one of your biggest superpowers is you were able to like there's this quote it says at any given moment you need to be willing to sacrifice who you are for what you will become and i feel like the things that you're going through prior to everything you just kind of like let that go and you just let life take you. Right. And then, yeah, you really got to let, and and that was part of the physical transformation part. Uh, When it was a, it was uh, modeled after the 12 step program Mm -hmm. and build made it 16 steps. And one of the, one of the steps in there was that you need to let your old self die in in order to make your, to make room for your new self um on that and that was a whole exercise and a process in his 16 steps as transformation um and that's and again that's true in all areas of your life you know you got to let go of your old self around you know concepts about what you can and cannot do mm-hmm. what you're worth what you're not you know your confidence are you too much in your head all the time i mean you you got to let go of all that stuff if you want to make true transformational changes and a, and a real transformational change isn't something temporary it's something mm-hmm. so dramatic that people literally can't recognize you not just physically but like when they talk to you it's like i don't even recognize you mm-hmm. dude i mean you sound like a completely different person that's a real transformation where you really let your old self go and you let the new self in yeah can you describe your old self because right now they're seeing you and they're like all right this guy's shredded this guy has like nice hair this guy's like <laughs> hyper focused and um he lives in Bali and everything looks good. But yeah. for most people, because I've seen the pictures, you're completely different. Don't even, I don't even recognize myself. It's almost like that guy ate you and then yeah. absorbed <laughs> your qualities, like the, one of those like cartoon characters. And then yeah. he just kind of wore you as a mask. And then there was just like this. Yeah, it's a really different person. I mean, um, you know, I was, I didn't have the greatest childhood. A lot of people don't, right? What happened? Uh, um, I, 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 it's kind of, there's repeat things that happen. So mm-hmm. we could talk about going back to your comfort zone. Um, from the time I was 10 to 12, my mother and I were homeless. So we were literally homeless on the streets in, in Idaho. So that has the How full, did that happen? full four seasons. I don't know till this day. She, she yeah. died early. 
early on, I never got a chance to sit down and talk to her, like, hey, mom, what, what exactly happened here? Mm -hmm. How do we get? I was just 10 years old. And, and with that kind of mindset, it's just kind of like, okay, you're there. And, you know, let's, it's just the way life is. Um, you were born into it, right? So you did you think it was normal? Did you think, oh, this is like how like we actually should live? Or do you, did you I know as 10? <laughs> I didn't know any different. You know, what do you know at 10 years old? You know, uh, you do, uh, you are aware that you're different. So like um, my mom never said, hey, don't tell anybody that we're homeless. Yeah. It's just automatically you don't do that. We just, I knew that we were different than everyone else and stuff. And I was always... Uh, I remember I would be the very first person at school in the morning, like before the janitors get there to open the doors because I was so cold at night. It's like I just wanted to get inside and get in front of the heaters um, and the janitors and stuff and knew there was something wrong. But I was a good kid and I stayed out of trouble. So they had no problem letting me in. And the, usually the, the, the girls in the cafeteria would help me. You know, they'd give me some extra food in the morning and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, that's the way, that's the way I grew up, you know, and that's, and that's in the USA, you know, and, and uh, things like that happen every day. But yeah, after two years, moved in with our grandparents and stuff. But that whole cycle of living that way completely changed me as, as, a, as a person forever. But it's also a cycle. I ended up going back to homeless again, um, you know, when I was 40 to 42 so so what happened in the meantime because like that was that was like 30 years of uh, i was just the basic i, I was just a bottom i just an, a 100 percent underachiever in every area um and an expert at avoiding life so i avoided life by eating overeating i was a binge binge eater so that that was my drug of choice over drank um and just hung around other people that do the same things and it's just like that becomes life and it's just this huge downward spiral and you just don't even realize it and you know you sit around and you put people down who make a lot of money it's just all this ridiculous stuff and it's like you know thank goodness I got out of that um I really and and I only did because of that contest <laughs> that's it otherwise it would have never happened you know it's just a total freak accident yeah, the way what, the way that I look at it what threw you into that because you know you, you start off as a kid that was like good you didn't get in trouble and then there was one little switch that happened and then you started drinking you started eating you started going into like well, this despair. yeah but I mean I mean being look I mean first of all just the whole cycle to, to be in a household and a single household where you become homeless it's already a dysfunctional household. It's yeah. not healthy. Things are not good at that point. And then there's a lot of, you know, there's a, it's not just living on the streets. I mean, living on the streets is tough. I mean, there's, there's some really bad stuff that happened. What was like the worst thing that you've seen or remembered, or even if it was like a feeling? Yeah, no, the absolute worst thing is that, um, uh, I had, there was, there was a guy in the middle of the night trying to rape my mother. And then I had to, as a 10 year old, I'm fighting him off. On that so shit like that I mean that that's not a healthy environment and then how do you process that at 10 years old or 20 years old or 40 or 50 years old you know how do you process it if you don't have a good environment to do that you're going to reach for the path of least resistance which is going to be how do I take away this emotional pain like right away well it's going to be food or it'll be drugs or you know whatever people's choice is to avoid on that and, and what what happens is that um when you avoid those things because they're they're painful, you're missing out on like going head on into it. Like this is painful, it's painful, but when you go into it, there's a golden nugget at the end, and that golden nugget is you and who you really are. Um, and if you spend your whole life, and I was an expert for 42 years of avoiding everything in my life. I mean, reality, 
pain, anything, you know, any kind of stress whatsoever, you know, somebody cutting me off in traffic or whatever. That's you just learn how to deal with that kind of stress and uh, in an unhealthy way. But you're avoiding yourself the whole time. Yeah, you know, forty two freaking years of my life, I feel like I've completely lost, and there's nothing I can do. So today, I'm just really focused on longevity and I want to live as long and healthy as I possibly can and make up for all those wasted years. I really, I really wasted them. So, yeah. And then also around this time was when you started a family as well. Like, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. The, what, what was that like feeling all these emotions and also not just being responsible for yourself, but also being responsible for a wife and children? Uh, yeah, it was just, it was, I can't even imagine. Yeah, like, that's, it, was, it was like too much. hard, man. Yeah, but it was, uh, I'll tell you, it was, of course, it was hard. But yeah. what was what was cool is that when I made a ton of money, that was mm-hmm. like, I can be the, I can be a provider. I can do the things for my kids I've always wanted to do, you know. And, you know, today my kids have a great, they have an incredible lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They've always, uh, we, 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 we left and we traveled after, well, the first year, 2009, I'd, Paid over four hundred fifty-three thousand dollars in taxes, and I had understand that the year prior to that, I made thirty-nine thousand eight hundred dollars. That was my best year. All I could focus on was the taxes. I was like, oh, "Fuck," uh-huh. you know, and 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 I couldn't find anybody to feel sorry for me, right? Yeah. So uh, I was kind of <laughs> yeah, like, that, that, "That's a good problem to have." <laughs> yeah, but 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 it was a huge. I was yeah. hyper focused on it. I was. I remember at night, like searching for like uh, islands to buy, <laughs> and it's like. Wow, I could have I could have bought this island for four hundred fifty thousand dollars because it's for sale. Here's another one. Yeah, but sometimes islands sink. You know, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Be, can you imagine <laughs> the one like you'd have to go buy it with a snorkel, you know, or at least like learning how to swim. Yeah, it's funny because I was telling I was telling rich people that problem, and they're like, "Well, hey, um, just make sure that it's long enough so that your private jet has a long enough runway to get to it." And I'm like. That's mm-hmm. a whole different perspective. Yeah, or you right could just there. get a jetpack. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, peasants without their jetpacks and islands. That's insane because everything switched, right, from $30,000 a year to then having to pay $400,000 in taxes. That's yeah, just crazy. What, what's it like? Because, for example, when a lot of things change externally, the internal kind of almost lags sometimes. Or already when you were just having that focus of that contest in the mind of winning the $50,000 cash, were you already living in this future that you created, that you fantasized about, but you knew that that was your reality. You were no longer the Chris that was living off of just the alcohol and the drugs and overweight. Yeah, I think I, I was, is a fortunate situation because, and I've seen it before in our circles. I've seen entrepreneurs who make a ton of money and then they usually, they've got to go through some kind of growing pains of losing it and building back up. Um, I got to avoid that. I think primarily because my big transformation was not financial. The first step was physical. And that physical, in order to make that physical a reality, it wasn't, it wasn't about you know, the calories, the weight loss, the exercise, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't about that. The whole thing that, that Bill did was in the 16 weeks, it was all about an internal transformation. It's like we're going to change you from the inside out. Whereas prior to that with his body for life stuff, it was always about a 12-week mm-hmm. kind of external this way um and he was really i think at the time looking for more success students with longevity because he had all these 12-week amazing stories like his whole book and movies about him and documentaries and stuff but uh, quite a lot of them not all but quite a few would go back to their old self 
And he's like, well, why is that happening? And so then he came up with the transformation and the 16 steps. And every week he had an exercise to do, uh, emotional kind of uh, mental exercise, a transformational exercise. And I think that's really what made the difference. And then, and then there I was kind of primed to, okay, bring it on. Let's, mm. let's, let's go for some other changes. It doesn't mm. need just to be the physical and emotional and changing who you are on that. And uh, so in that perspective, when I made that money, it, it, it didn't like mess with my head. Or yeah, you like were like, that. this is this is normal. This is just something that this is just my bank account is a direct reflection of how much I grew as a person. So I'm actually surprised that it's even so little because like I should have been buying an island and a jet. Yeah, yeah, swimming yeah. Lessons, yeah, and I shouldn't. And, and, and how are other rich people out there yeah. legally not paying at least that much taxes, you know? Yeah. On that. But. But that left us uh, to, I mean, the solution, that's a whole other topic, but the solution was to leave the United States. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we left with uh, three kids, and uh, we just homeschooled them. We homeschooled them, and we just traveled around the world. So we'd stay in one spot for three or four months, and then another, and we did that for years. So, And I was able to do that because of the lifestyle, the income, and the type mm -hmm. of business, the, you know, the uh, non-location. And everyone was like, well, your kids are going to grow up messed up. They're not going to have friends. They're not going to have social skills. How old are your kids? Uh, the oldest one is now just turned 17. Okay. So 17, I, 14, are you and familiar 12. With, um, are you familiar with Brian and Hanale and Rhonda Swan? Uh, no. Okay, so they're here. We actually just uh, did a podcast with them yesterday. And I'll like intro you. They're so amazing. But they did the exact same thing. And they started raising their... They, they went bankrupt. And instead of, you know, of course... Uh, being responsible and like trying to like fix it, they actually ended up leaving the states and took a bunch of like the credit cards that they had and all the things that they sold, and they traveled with this newborn child that they had no idea how to actually raise them. But one thing is they knew that they didn't want to raise this child in the exact same way that you see all of these other children in America kind of almost being herded like cattle towards like some system that was designed not to inspire creativity, but almost to just teach you how to be a cog in a wheel, right? Yeah. And 12 years old, they're, they're literally here, yeah. um, just down the street, and the daughter, 12 years old, has built a six-figure business. That's awesome. <laughs> fashion, uh, she, it's, it's all fashion, so if you want, like, any customized gear, or, like, hats, that, like, uh, Hanson's not wearing the hat, but we, we have all these customized stuff. I'll go there, and I'm like, oh, can you, like, make it cut up like this? They do customized shirts, and it's all made out of like bamboo, eco-friendly material. That's awesome. And like I did the conversation with her yesterday. And as a 12-year-old, sometimes I forgot that she was 12 because of the fact that exactly what you're doing with your kids is exactly what they did with hers, with uh, with her. And of course, in the beginning, they, they were ridiculed. But then oh. years and years down the road when they're doing amazing things, your daughter, your son are creating amazing companies that are changing the world. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I knew that was going to happen with Chris's kids all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and it's so weird that that happens, right? That they judge you. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it, it's not normal, right? So yeah. you're stepping outside of the norm, and so people, I think people have the best intentions most of the time. They're probably like, I don't want you to get hurt, so this is, you know, I'm just looking after you. But, but yeah, I mean, my kids today speak three languages fluently. Um, you know, we live part of the year in Barcelona, the other part in Korea, and I've just fallen in love with Ali, so got a place here so yeah. I really like it here yeah, yeah no it, it's amazing and I think that's 
truly the best. And in terms of like the judgment, do you feel that maybe the judgment that they're giving to you is just the judgment they feel about themselves? I think in a lot of cases that is, you yeah. know, they might, they might recognize, oh, wow, he can go off with his family and do this kind of stuff. There's probably a little bit of jealousy in there right. and that's just human nature. You know, that just kind of comes with the territory. It's always, it's always like a spectrum, right? Because you have the people that are judging you in the, the bottom, but then you also kind of feel like not enough when you compare yourself to other businessmen or women that are like 10 years ahead of you and doing crazy numbers that make you almost feel like, oh man, like I still have, like no matter how far you get out in life, there's always going to be someone better and it's just learning how to be happy and learning that health is the most important thing, right? For you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, um, everybody compares themselves to other people, right? Yeah. But uh, really the best thing you can do is, uh, is, and it's tough to do, is just compare yourself to the best you, mm-hmm. you know, compare yourself to yesterday and just, and just move forward. You're going to be a lot happier that way because mm-hmm. there's always going to be somebody better. There's always going to be somebody smarter. There's always going to be somebody who works harder. There's always going to be somebody who's richer, better looking, yada, yada, everything. Um, and that's just a miserable cycle to be in. Yeah, it is. And then it's, it's sometimes you just got to realize it's not even the external. It's almost like an internal journey that you have to just ask within yourself some childhood traumas that you just have to you know, really console that that's kind of like the reason. It's not because you don't have the money or it's not because you're shredded. It's because there's still like that hurt little child inside of you that is just trying to be like covered up by all of these unnecessary things, you know? Yeah, and it's uh, one thing that I, I learned. I wish I would have learned this when I was 12 years old or 15, someone had taught me. Um, it's, it's for me anyways, it's yeah. really weird for me. It's, it, it, it's not about the end goal. Mm. Uh, if it's ever about the end goal, I know that I'm not going to make it there. And I'm, uh, so, for example, like a lot of people try to lose weight, right? So a lot of people are weight. Their end goal is to lose 20 pounds. I mean, that's fine. That's a great end goal. But if you want that to be sustainable and you really want to reach that goal, or you want to reach the goal of, you know, $20,000 a day or $10,000 a day or whatever it is, whatever goal you want to reach, that end goal, you have to fall in love with the process, because it's the process that's going to get you there. It's not going to be the end goal. Because if you're focused on the end goal, you're dependent on willpower. Mm. And you're dependent on stuff like willpower, grind, discipline. And guess what? We're not disciplined. Humans aren't disciplined. People are, are, are just not. We're, we're designed for the path of least resistance, mm. right? We don't want to take, you know, if we have the choice of taking the easy route or the hard route, we're going to take the easy route every time in every aspect of life, everything. Mm. From an emotional standpoint, we'll avoid emotional issues with ourselves or other because it's easier at that point to do that um, on that. So, so, yeah, if you can learn to fall in love with the process, whatever that is, like, like the day-to-day stuff, it's like I really enjoy developing myself as a person mm. every day not the end result of whatever that may be or financially um, I enjoy I enjoy building things I enjoy building companies I enjoy building teams and then I enjoy building a product or a service that's so great that customers are just always coming in every day and saying how great it is mm. I enjoy that process I was like okay how do we get more happy customers okay let's dig deeper there how do we get you know, how do we, how do we, this, this team building thing is fun when you do it right. When you hire intelligent people, hardworking and you do all the right stuff and you start building this team. It's like, this is a lot of fun guys. Mm. I mean, and God, this is really cool on here. Everyone's pushing themselves and, and stuff. And, and, and that's a lot of fun. That process is addictive every day. Whereas if you're just focused on, man, I got to make money and I got to, it'll get you pretty far, but it's not sustainable. Yeah, the process is amazing because when you focus on the process, you almost look back and you're like, holy crap, when did I get all this success? 
because you're not mm. focused on the end thing. You know, it's like I remember uh, Jim Rohn or Darren Hardy. They say uh, that which you pursue will elude you. Kind of like if you're always pursuing the sexy girl at the, the bar or the club, yeah. right? Then you know we have you at the club at Sing Point. You'll just do like your little dance move, and it's almost like yeah, they just flock to you, but you're not even focused on all of them because you're just focusing on your enjoyment in your process of having fun. And this is without alcohol. He, he doesn't yeah. drink. <laughs> like seeing him going out, having more fun. Like I, that was one of those sort of inspirations that also got me to stop drinking. Total side note. But you said a lot about processes, and that's like a very key thing that most entrepreneurs don't realize because there's like this thing that's happening right now in social media where it's like hustle 16 hours a day, you know, like grind, 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 like hit your head on the laptop until you figure it out. And it's not necessarily the best process. It's just like angle, 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 and do whatever it takes to get there. What I'm like super curious on, and I think would help not just like me, but almost, I feel like I'm speaking to everyone else that's listening to this. And, you know, even like Hanson, he's building this uh, amazing video service for entrepreneurs to help them with their editing is what were the processes like when you had that $1.5 million in profit that first year? Uh, that, that, that was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> that, was a disaster. <laughs> that was a disaster. Yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, because, it was just like hitting the fan. Yeah, because because I was really working 16, 18 hours a yeah. day. Some nights I would stay up all night well, what was, can you do, like, so, What was a typical day? Because each one then, of those days yeah, kind of built up to something just, epic, right? Yeah, just, just nonstop. And I, yeah. I, I, I became exhausted physically. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I got to find some happy medium, but uh, over, over time didn't happen overnight, yeah. but over time and hiring coaches, huge investment mm-hmm. in yourself. You can hire the right kind of coaches or mentors or whatever you can do to get, yeah. get around other people. Um, what I learned and how I focus and, 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 and get, get a lot of shit done in a short period of time so that I've got the rest of the day to like, okay, I've got a, I've got a half a day with friends. Like, so it's Friday. So tonight's like we're dinner. about to sing karaoke. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to mess you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like you know that's you have to enjoy that stuff. Yeah. I have to have me time. You know, just alone time mm. um, and stuff. So so the best advice I would give to entrepreneurs just starting out is first of all throw that grind stuff away. Yeah. Okay? You have the best intentions, but let's let's grind in a really focused way. So how how I do that is um, I'm not a I, I'm not a meditator. I'm not someone say wow, you, you should meditate because all these kind of benefits. I'm Just like, close your eyes, boy. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, whatever, I could never do that. Um, but anyways, I tried it. But I tried it, and I used a device called a, a Muse. Um, and basically, it gives you uh, bio-tracking data, and uh, mm-hmm. you can hear your brain waves, and they do it like, so if your brain waves are really erratic and high, and they can't concentrate, like which most people are in that state constantly, um, then you hear rain in your in, in, in your earbuds but when you're able to calm it down and get into an alpha state that's the flow state mm-hmm. and that's where you can you 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 concentrate but everything just kind of flows that's the state ideally you'd want to be in most of the day because you're mm-hmm. able to create and then when you're able to do that you can hear it in the bio uh, bio, 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 bio or biohacking and it comes into your ears and you hear, you hear the rain and then the rain dissipates and then the birds come out and they chirp and it's like okay now i'm in that state i know i am um, and then it gives you a scorecard. So I'm a data person, so I like data. So I like to always yeah. kind of beat my score. But it gets, I, I do that five minutes in the morning. Yeah, I have the data, and it gets me in that flow state. And then I make sure that for the next three hours, if people just did this mm-hmm. alone, for the next three hours, I'm doing what I call just lifting the heaviest rocks that I have 
on that plate. So that's always going to be high-level creative stuff. It's going to be mm. the creating, the process, the building. So I block it into 15 minutes. So my first three hours of the day, it's like 8.50, my alarm goes off. I have 10 minutes where I move around, get water, boom, top of the hour, I'm back on for 50 minutes, my alarm goes off. Nothing can interrupt me at that time. Everything's off, and I'm fully focused. And while I'm in that state uh, that I first get myself in by meditating, then I keep that hyper-focus, whatever I'm working on. And most people can't concentrate on one thing for more than about a minute or two at the most, mm -hmm. and then their brain is off going this direction yeah. and this direction, that direction. They're like goldfishes. Yeah, exactly. The attention of a goldfish or less. And if you can train, anyone can train their mind to do this, by just a couple, like five minutes of meditation, it's not a big deal, right? Um, and then if you ever find yourself getting out of that state uh, while you're trying to lift those heavy rocks, getting the most important things done, then you want to just kind of meditate again for a minute or two. And, and, and it's like a muscle. You'll end up flexing it and getting good. So that's the first three hours, right? Um, nothing crazy. It's just discipline. Then after that, it's brain's pretty exhausted, at least yeah. mine is. So it's hyper, hyper. I and mean, this is like working out at a gym. It's hyper-focused. Nothing is getting in the way. It's like if you try to, you know, you're writing an ad copy or you're trying to solve problems. And that's that's all that entrepreneurs do, right? They just solve problems. Mm -hmm. If you, Whatever problem, if you solve a big problem, you're going to get just a big paycheck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's all you're doing. So if you can stay hyper-focused doing that, turn off all the social media, every, like no one can contact me during those those, those three hours. Then after that, you know, you got to, as part of an entrepreneur, you've got to do shit you don't like to do. There might be a, a merchant account that got closed or you got to create some kind of documents or banks wondering why there's so much money coming in or whatever. There's all kinds of shit where you have a high level person in your company just leave. Then you leave the rest of a couple hours for that stuff after your brain's tired. Those are the little rocks you mm. left, but you wake up strong and you left the big rocks. If, if you just did that, that's, that's, that's three hours a day. It's not 16 hours, it's not 19. You're going to get more shit done in those three hours and then the next couple of hours just do your admin crap that everyone's got to do. And then close the books, you're done. Yeah, it's like so weird because like I, I could even, in my mornings, they're, they're sacred and that's why I can't really have any roommates or whatever. And, and like that is my time for me. And if you ever meet me there, I'm a freaking asshole. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like a, like a PMSing like old grandma or something like that because... Those mornings, just one little thing that gets off your attention, it could be a little notification or whatever, it'll take another hour or two to just get back into that flow, right? Uh, more, Yeah, there's a lot of studies on that yeah. too. Uh, and uh, that's the... That's the restart. So even if it's like you're sitting there and you're focused, and maybe you're really focused on, let's just say ad copy, that's what we're doing right now, doing a lot of ad copy, writing that, and just someone message you. And it's just like, oh, I'll just check it. It's just 30 seconds. And then you go, okay, turn it off. And then, you, and, then you, and then you have to dive back in. And if you try to get back into that creative state, depending on the person, can take you 5 to 15 minutes to get back to where you were mm -hmm. just by checking that. So just turn all that off. You don't need to turn off all day long. Just give yourself three hours a day, mm. five days a week. That's it. You'll get more stuff done than anybody. And the thing is, is that once you become, once you train your mind to become that focused on like one thing, one project, then the mind just keeps running. No matter what you're doing during the day, that stuff is still going on in the back of your mind. You're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And you write that down mm -hmm. and it just brings you back to where you are. So the next day when you wake up, 
you've already been thinking about all these ideas automatically because you're thinking about it. And then if you look at that process as, you know, that's the process that it takes. And if you like enjoy challenging yourself to do that, it's like, hey, I'm going to get more stuff done in these next three hours than all these other crazy grinders are doing all the time. And I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to have time during the day because, you know, I like to do all the biohacking stuff. I mean, before I came here, I had my sauna, you know, I did my cold. Get an ice bath. Get yeah. the ice bath, you know. Shoot lasers at your freaking tummy, belly button. Yeah, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And I mean, I got, a, I, I got a massage. I got a really good massage. So I enjoy that aspect of it, and that recharges yeah. me. And I have the freedom to do that because I've made the conscious choice that these three hours in the morning, I'm going to totally kick ass. And I mean, like... Like really focus, like like you've never focused before. Mm-hmm. Another good exercise I used to do, I got this from a coach. Is in addition to the meditation to help your brain focus, was to just practice reading with full intention. Like I'm going to try to remember and soak in everything for the next ten minutes. That's a hard exercise to do. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're reading, you're like you're trying to absorb it, and it's like okay, after ten minutes, can I literally just absorb and repeat everything that I just read? Most people can't because they don't have the focus to do that. So that's another exercise you can do if you find yourself wandering. Yeah, like even, even like right now, for example, in this conversation, and I think that's why everything that I'm doing right now, it's what am I good at? What do I love doing? And what gets me more into that state of flow, right? Because that flow, the moment you're in it, you almost feel like you're limitless and you see all of these like freaking numbers coming out and things just seem easier and conversations are easier. And it's almost like life is happening for you instead of to you. And that's why I think I transition everything to this because it's like, man, when we're having this conversation, there's no other, I'm not thinking what I said 10 minutes ago. I'm not thinking 10 minutes of what I need to say in the future. It's just like, bam, laser beams, biohacking, right? And it's just, it's almost like the more you could just channel and get out of your own way because your subconscious mind is powerful. You said this earlier with identity. That identity was or you making the $1.5 million in profit the first year, you losing all that weight and getting like a 13-pack and just like traveling around the world and all that. That, that was that's all good, but that wouldn't have never happened if the subconscious mind wasn't actively, you know, going at it. And I feel like w- the problem with most people especially if you, you, you probably experienced this in either space because you're in both, uh, in many of your businesses, you are in the weight loss space and you're also helping people with their businesses and their finances and their systems and their strategies. And they just want that quick fix that, oh, can, can you just give me the hack? Or what, what about like the newest thing that could work? Like, oh, I, I just need to, you know, season my, my pixel or then they just say some shit they don't even understand, right? Right. And you know deep down that it doesn't matter how much money they make right now. If they don't fix that thermostat in their brain where it says, oh, you're at 19 degrees and you're trying to get to 30 degrees. And I'm talking about Celsius because yep. we're in Bali <laughs> and we don't do that Fahrenheit shit because for some reason the U.S. has the most unnecessary, inconsistent measuring system from feet. So like, dude, the metric system is way better, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Then they'd still just go back and revert to that person that they never wanted to be. Yeah. And why I'm like so curious is because you were able to do that in such a short amount of time. And now you're just like so happy. Like I've never seen someone so at peace, so healthy and still able to have a good time because some people are successful, but they look constipated all the time. Yeah. They're stressed out all the time. Yeah. You look like you're just like easy flow. Never been constipated. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you think um, if you did the three-hour method you do now, yeah. your first year, you would have the same results, less results, or more? more I would have had more results, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. guaranteed. So working three hours, you would just crush you working 16 to 18 hours. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, it's also in those three hours, you're just focused on one thing. Well, what was that business that you're doing in that first year? Because you, you got this, this transformation. Yeah, it's the same business. It's the same. Yeah. I've just grown and improved it since then. It's yeah. basically providing leads for local businesses Okay, on that. So we grew that, um, and I, I kept growing that and growing that growing that. But I just fine-tuned it. So in the beginning, we were doing everything, right, mm-hmm. for local businesses. And then I was like, this is 16, 20 hours a day, and I'm hiring people, and they're, they can't take the stress and their stuff. So it's like, what do these local businesses really want? The core of it, they don't want, uh, you know, a fancy website. It's not what they want. They don't want, you know, ad- advertising. Not, they just want more customers. Yeah. So how can we just deliver them more customers and not have to deal with any of their crap? The owners, the website designers, the other ads people that they have. What if we just hand them customers and say, here, here's customers. It's an easy sell. And yeah, like I'll take some customers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to sell SEO. It takes months to do. I don't have to sell why we need to have a better converting, you know, why you should really have a funnel instead of a website. Yeah. Um, And, and, and why you should be collecting leads. I don't have to educate anybody. It's like, here, we'll just do it for you and just give the customers, but it'll be all our properties. It'll be all of our stuff because you're just slowing us down. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I got in the lead gen business. And that's your main business, right? That's my main business. Then we got a lead gen business and I got to a certain level where, Again, it's building, so scaling. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we were getting up to $10 million profit a year at that. But we had a, I had a employee, I have 120 plus employees doing this. It's like, okay, so if I really want to build, I, I didn't need any more money, but I want to build things. So I want to mm-hmm. build more cooler shit. So if I really want to continue to build this out, um, for every X amount of customers, I got to get an equal amount or a, a portion amount of employees an HR department and all mm-hmm. the, and it's like this giant, it, it turns into this huge thing and I'm traveling around the world and it just seems too heavy. And uh, I, and so that's where I switched my business model again, just staying hyper-focused and saying, okay, so instead of a done for you, like here, we're going to do this for you. We're going to give you customers. Uh, how about if we just show you how to do it? Mm-hmm. And so that's where you take like with like I am products, information products, you could sell, I could sell the same I am product on, you know, how to do Facebook ads for a local business. And uh, I could sell it to the IM market if, if I got everything dialed in, really good product all kinds of, for maybe uh, $1,000 to $2,000, right? And that'd be like the beginning of the funnel. And that's, that's pretty cool, right? And you, could, yeah. you can make freaking millions of dollars um, doing that, no problem. But if you have that same type of program, you can change nothing in it, and you hand it to a business owner. Mm. They'll pay ten to twenty thousand mm. dollars of it. So it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if it if you're going to go after people who want to lose weight, it's it's, it's kind of the low end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, it's going to be maybe a forty nine ninety nine whatever product that you're going to get. But if you've got a really specialized knowledge for somebody who already goes to the gym is committed to it. They're going to pay a premium for that, and they're going to have the best results, and they're going to be the easiest people to work with. So let me just flip that around to, to connect the dots. If you want to work with a wannabe entrepreneur, because everyone's like, I want a business, I want a lifestyle, mm-hmm. until they actually have to like do any work, and it's probably not that much fun anymore. It's kind of like, I want to lose the weight, I want a six-pack, I'm going to the gym, and then I realize it's not that much fun. If you're targeting people who already have a business, and now they want to take that, and they're fully invested in the business. They don't have to go through all the trials and errors of, 
you know, what it takes to actually become an entrepreneur on that. That's a better customer. And we were able to scale. I, I scaled down my company from 120 employees down to nine. Mm. And we've three axed our company. I mean, and, and, and the headaches are gone. Mm. The headaches are gone. So it's just, a, um, anyways, I, I, don't, I don't know where I was going. No, no, that, that's amazing because it's actually so helpful because, for example, for me, um, one of my biggest strengths ended up being my biggest weaknesses when I got started in business because my brand, uh, especially if you look at the old videos, please don't. It's like super, <laughs> okay, I run around Asia with a freaking red bandana teaching people how to make a hundred dollars a day as a broke individual with my shirt off. My audience is so interesting. It's ages 25 to 34 male, which makes sense. Cause that's like where I am at. Yeah. And then a very few, but like a still staggering amount that is like. 45 to 54 women. So I think they just like mm -hmm. seeing a, like a half naked Asian guy Probably. run around. But I mean, I'll do ads and I, I would sell like a, a low end offer, even something like a thousand dollars and people would come in and uh, the sales would be really good. But then I would wondering, I was wondering how come I'm literally giving them everything, even the exact same products, but how come they're not actually succeeding to the point where I succeeded? And it's because they're just like, you almost have to, before you could give them success, they need to become a different human being, right? And one of the things that I w was having the hardest time of was when I made the switch was realizing that I literally had to change everything about my brand to scale it back down to then build it back up to a business that actually fulfilled me more instead of living in the business. You're actually using it as just for more freedom to then live your life, you know? And, um, I think that's one of the most, I'm, I'm like so grateful that you just mentioned that because it, it really just almost gives me some type of validation that what we're doing here is like so much better because I mean, before money came easy, but I, I never felt fulfilled. I felt empty. Uh, I was looking at my customers and I was like, okay, are these the type of people that I want to hang out with or would I want to hang around with more badass entrepreneurs that, you know, they have the money. So say if they want to take a portion of that and then we all just put in a mo uh, money together. We get a bunch of cool videographers and we want to say, go to freaking Africa and dig a well for like a month and like help all of these kids that we can actually leave our businesses instead of being too much in the weeds. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm so grateful that you even just said that because it, it's, it's always weird and different when you completely change your business model. Uh, but how are you able to do that? Cause going from 110 employees to nine and then three Xing that, that's that's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because because we're just teaching people how yeah. to do it, and it's it's already you know you know this is an electronic age, so it's like yeah. it's got to be really good training. It's got to be really good videos. It's got to be really like um, it helped because we studied it. We hired somebody, a consultant for yeah. um, a, a adult learning, like how do adults learn differently than kids? Not Asian naked boys. Not either. Asian naked boys, right? Yeah. And Unless if you're a 35, 44 <laughs> year old woman, I got you. <laughs> and um, so we just make the training really good, um, and we have uh, good support staff. But the, but um, if your training is really good, you should have few of any support tickets whatsoever yeah. so so our goal always is is how do we get to zero support tickets i don't think we'll ever achieve that but we're always striving so it's the least it's amount because anytime that there's a question it's like oh wait a minute didn't we answer this? oh we didn't that, that's going to come up again so let's plug that hole up and you just make the best darn training program that you possibly can obviously we update it uh, and we still have a few a very few customers that we do 
how are we do done for you services so that we're still on top of the edge mm-hmm. of that. So we are still qualified to train to, to other businesses. But um, yeah, it's just a much better way to, it's a much better way. I mean, would you rather be a personal trainer and always have one-on-one and then have have to hire 14 other personal trainers to grow your business or have a digital product that's really Mm. good and you can sell a thousand of them a day and you don't have to scale, you know, your back end or anything like that. It's weird though. It's like the biggest enigma though, because your business is so big yet your personal brand that you don't really even focus on is in the health and biohacking space. Just because <laughs> I enjoy doing it. Yeah, so it's like, how, how do you build such a big business from without actually being the face of it? Because yeah. everyone's like, oh, I need a personality. I need to take my shirt off and find a bush. And oh, Mike has a really good bandana, you know? Uh, well, I mean, that's certainly a way to go. I, I yeah. cannot put down social media. I mean, holy smokes, people like yourself who built brands. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not saying, I just didn't choose that route. And so on my own personal social media, uh, just for fun, I'm not thinking about how many likes or I don't even care. I'm just posting stuff that I'm doing. Progress pics of you getting more and more shredded. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. 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 But it's like, you know, we talked about focus earlier and the three hours and stuff. I mean, that's what led me into learning. Okay, how can I learn to uh, focus more on my brain? I'm doing other exercise, hiring coaches. And I tried all these kind of supplements and stuff and none of them worked. Uh, and then somebody said, you should really try ketosis. And I'm like, ketosis, what is that? Um, and, um, and, you know, that's kind of a buzzword today. But for people who don't know, it basically just means your body's burning fat instead of what most people are. They're burning sugars or carbohydrates as the main fuel. And it just happens to be that your brain can perform way better when it's burning fat as the main source of fuel. So that's what got me down the road of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now... Um, switch over to this and I'm doing, you know, high, high fat diet and I'm measuring my ketone levels all the time. I just, I love to geek out. I like data and stuff like that. You don't eat like a French fry? Like, no, 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 I don't do that stuff. I don't even, I, I don't even <gasps> have the cravings anymore. And yeah, this, yeah. this is somebody who's a former uh, binge eater. I mean, I would binge eat alone. Um, I remember um, picking, you know, if it was family night to pick up pizza, um, I would, uh, I would buy three pizzas, three large pizzas, one of them I would eat alone in the car on the way home and put that empty pizza box in the neighbor's trash can so that my family wouldn't know. That's binge eating. It's a huge problem. Uh, it's, it's, it's a drug. It's, it, it's an addiction. So that's somebody who went from that state of mind, which most people, unfortunately, most people don't, don't ever get out of it. The success rate is really low, to then going into ketosis, uh, which changes all your hormones and your brain structure and stuff. And the cravings disappear, and then the focus becomes hyper, hyper focused. So those three hours when I'm focusing at 50 minute increments mm. just becomes 10x more. Um, and then that led me to, man, this is um, I, I really want to make the most out of my days. So um, I just came into intermittent fasting. It's so awesome because now I don't have to waste time eating breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to waste time lunch or digesting, or none of that stuff. You know, I basically eat one meal a day, and I'll eat the meal tonight when you come over for dinner, and we'll have a bunch of I other people. And you in karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but, but that's, you know, um, focusing on that. I mean, if, if, if people did the three hours a day focused, that blocked everything out, and they got off of sugars, and they just let their brain run off of ketones, and you mm. just stopped. You don't have to eat breakfast and lunch. 
you can get by with one meal a day. You can. It sounds crazy. But you'll have so much extra time yeah. to do all kinds of things. Like, I haven't eaten at all. And, like, I, I've just had some kratom in my brain. It's just like, mm-hmm. like, I'm seeing things on another level. But what I'm also curious on, because I remember you were telling me some stories when we were in Singapore hanging out a year or two ago about uh, biohacking. What's the weirdest thing you've ever done to biohack your longevity or... I'm always into that kind of stuff. I just, um, I, I'm in a fortunate position because yeah. um, I have, I have excess money, so I can do a lot of things that normally. But you also do. took years and years to build it, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, just, just build. They it. see the fruits, but they don't see that. Like I, I saw this quote: "For your uh, fruits and your branches go to heaven, the roots need to go way down to hell." You have experienced a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I, I look at biohacking and just like. Um, like upgrading, like, yeah. like, you know, every week or couple of weeks, you, you, you get a notice on your phone, you got to upgrade the system. But right? do you ever upgrade your iPhone? Like sometimes I, it tells me to upgrade. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, me yeah. yeah. I normally wait a while. For yeah. The girl kinks out. But the point is, is that you do upgrade yeah. and, 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 and most people are still running in their lives off of DOS. They haven't even upgraded once, you know, yeah. they're still the same old. And, and it's, it's just like, don't take it all on at once. So, for example, when I got into like um, saunas, right? Yeah, I just did any old sauna that I could. You know, it didn't matter. And then when I got into it more, I said, "Okay, I'm going to upgrade this. What can I upgrade it to?" Okay, so volcano. I'm gonna, I'm going to yeah, volcano. <laughs> You're just in there like <laughs> with your avocados. <laughs> I'm going to get into um, infrareds, and I yeah. started studying all about infrared saunas. So, like, I got the best one I could do. So I've got a, a two and, and one in each home and, and stuff. And, and that's because I just slowly upgrade. I didn't start out that yeah. way. And then it's like, okay, two or three months later, what else can I upgrade? And then I started reading about niacin detox and charcoal filters. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And I was researching all about that. So then that's what I do now. My son is because it helps you release more toxins even faster than, than it already does. And it just helps boost it along. And then there's another upgrade, an upgrade that, well, you can help get toxins out even more in your skin by using basically kind of a, uh, call it a gua sha, um, and that's kind of a stone that you that you rub on your skin. So I'm in the, you know, I'm in the Biggest sauna forum. doing that. Did you see that? I'm like, damn, <laughs> do I get those when I turn into a man? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and that's how you upgrade, right? Yeah. I didn't do it all at once. I'd be overwhelming. You'd be like now. a cyborg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the same thing with like, uh, you know, if, if, if you decide you want to intermittent fast, you want to try it out. You don't just go from zero to eating, you know, your first meal at 5 p.m. You know, just skip, skip breakfast. Just and push then, it back like an just hour. Just push it back. Two, yeah, just take two. it in stages on that. And so the, so you asked the, what's the kind of the craziest The weirdest thing. thing um, I don't There's a lot of weird things. It depends on the person. But, um, I mean, I did, uh, I, I have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber in my home in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty weird. It's it's a commercial grade or a medical grade one and I had to get like a doctor's permission in order to get one. And stuff. What do you need this for? Yeah, yeah. So, that, and uh, that's probably it. And then the other one is I'm, I'm really big on uh, stem cells. So yeah. I, so I go down and do stem cells in, in Panama on mm-hmm. that. Um, and that's going to conjure up a lot of different thoughts. Of uh, Well, you were telling me what it got me interested in it because I'm so, I feel like so blessed and grateful to have met you guys in Singapore because, man, it's it's just it's kind of like maybe the similar feeling you felt like you're you're basically like my Paula Abdul, you know. I mean, I appreciate that. Might be prettier, yeah. but <laughs> but basically, uh, you were telling me a story of I think it was Mel Gibson's dad. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, maybe I should look at stem cells like right now because that's kind of like a thing. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you. 
you don't have your health and your longevity, it don't yeah, matter. Or your intimacy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's, 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 that's when it started. I was like, man, I was like, Mel Gibson's talking about his dad. who was, I think at the time was, I don't know, late 90s or something like that. I mean, he's getting old and all the U.S. doctors and he's bringing to the best ones are saying, you know, something's going to give him the next three months. It'll be his liver, his heart, his kidney, something. There's really nothing we can do. I'm sorry. I mean, all the money in the world is not going to do anything for him. And he didn't give up. And uh, he found a group of U.S. doctors in Panama because Panama allows them to study stem cells. So it's totally legit. Um, and uh, took, a, took his dad down there and also took uh, one of his personal doctors down with him. Long story short, they, 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 they uh, injected a bunch of stem cells in him. And literally the next day, this 90-year-old's got a boner. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and this is like eight years ago. So the yeah. guy's got to be over 100 now, walking around, lucid, uh, able to take care of himself, make and love, making love, some yeah. grandmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's why I said there might be something on to this because Mel Gibson didn't have anything to sell me, you know. When I heard that story, mm-hmm. and I thought I better do some research and check that's that cute. out. I think we live in such an interesting age on tech. Like, if if we fast forward a hundred or two hundred or three hundred years in the future, they're going to look back at this age, being like, "Man, that was a crazy period <laughs> from not having internet." And not even like leaving Earth to actually now shooting spaceships up in the like sky, sending people out there and uh, having this Internet boom that we're literally like in the point of a singularity where it's almost like the beginning of a black hole where we can't even see it because we're so much into it. But it's just crazy the amount of advances. We we live in, I think, in some of the best, the best times. We have the lowest uh, war of yeah. the time um, it's more like ec- economical war that's going on right now but we don't really see that and it, there's like, there's no bloodshed from it uh but yeah and then the age of the internet i mean it's it's just getting started and man i would encourage anybody out there to seek some type of online business for i mean just there's the opportunity Dude, just start selling stem cells and give like like old actors boners again you know yeah like that's the business i feel like you start selling shovels to these people yeah. in the gold rush <laughs> but that, that's insane. What do you think? What do you think the future of it is? Because now with everything moving forward, I mean, people that were supposed to die in their seventies or eighties, yeah. they're most likely going to live into their hundreds. Even some in the, the like mid one hundreds. I feel the more things start moving, what do you think life is going to be like when people retire at like sixty five and they're like, "Holy crap, I still have." Yeah, I don't think. Years. Yeah, um, well, yeah, definitely the way the way that I see it, just from hanging around the biohacking communities and going to events and stuff like that, yeah. is that. Um, Right now, uh, there probably isn't technology to push us beyond 120 years, but there is the existing technology today to actually have a such a high quality of mental and physical right up until you're 120 years old. Yes, yeah, so I mean just go. like just and, and you're seeing it right now. There's people out there that are 80, 85 years old that are doing gymnastics, they're doing triathletes. I mean, they just they don't they don't they don't look like an 80 year old is supposed to look like right and that's going to all change so the quality of life this whole thing of you know 50 60 70 years old and you're you know you're starting to hunch over and you've got all these uh, health problems and stuff is going to change you're going to see people they're going to be fit flexible lucid alive full of energy yeah exactly i mean why the hell that's how i want to get out yeah yeah how many (laughs) died just like one one last just blood dead but do, would you ever actually like want to live forever 
or that's like when it gets kind of weird, right? Because now all of these health things and we keep on pushing it. Yeah, I don't want to die. But you also don't want to live forever. I don't want to die. <laughs> that's for <laughs> sure. Um, I, if, if there was a way to live forever, um, yeah, if there was a way to do it, I would. You would do it. I, hell yes, I would See, do for it. me, it's like really Life's too weird. sweet, man. Every it, day I wake it, up it and is. I go, damn, this another day is gone. <laughs> but do you, you think know? it's so sweet because we have death right around the corner? Like, for example, from year one to year two, when you make that transition, if you could remember, that was half of your life that you experienced, right? Yeah. And then as you turn into 20, you start realizing that as you get older, because it's all relative to how much time you've been on this earth, time almost moves faster, right? But I was like looking at this video, if you live forever, you wouldn't even understand the concept of time because same way how if you are so much in a routine, say in America, like say for example, when you were in your 20s all the way to 41, that was almost like a blink, right? Yeah, it's a waste of time. Because like, you know, you, you were just like so in autopilot, but what happens is when you live forever, since you don't actually have an endpoint, you could have years and decades almost go by like if it was minutes, right? Probably, but um, I, but I, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I got a jet. I, I don't want it. Stem cells. Yeah, there's just no way. I mean, life is just too sweet, man. I yeah. mean, it was like um, even like uh, yesterday, I had a just a little personal thing going on in my in my life, so it brought a little bit of drama in. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. Uh, th th what I felt like, like it was a couple hours of drama. I was like, I just wasted two hours of this day. God yeah. damn it. I can never get that back. Um, and, I, and, and I really feel that way. And I also feel, and I feel that way because I'm aware, yeah. like you're coming back to your point of death. Mm -hmm. It can happen at any time. You know, it's like um, um, people always say that, I, you know, when I ride a motorbike, I, I, I ride like a little Muslim 16 year old girl. I am <laughs> super safe and conservative. I, you know, I might get there five yeah. minutes later than you. Like, Man, he said he's going to be here at two. It's three o'clock. <laughs> but I'm going to get. I, I'm going to arrive. I'll be alive. I'm going to. I'm going to be alive, alive man. Because I've seen accidents yeah, around yeah. here, and it's like, especially oh, in Bali. Man, I've seen them happen. Like, like I've seen three of them in the last three years, and it's just like it's. It's not a bike and a car. It's two bikes, and it's just like. And when that stuff like starts to collide, it's not a pretty thing, and it happens yeah. so fast. Mm. And it's like. I just don't want that. That could happen. I don't want it to happen. And yeah. so and, and, and so I just, I drive slower. But what if like, for, for, and that's because of the knowledge that you were aware, but if you were invincible, you could live forever <laughs> yeah. and nothing, like, I feel like you would, they, they say the reason why death, it, it's so, so bittersweet because if you weren't going to die, then you would never actually have the urgency to sure. express love now instead sure. of later or to accomplish your goals now instead of later. Yeah. Because like, imagine if you were, for example, in your forties and you were going to live forever because most people aren't like this. People are like, oh, I'm just going to take stem cells and just like shove it in places <laughs> so that they just start like staying erect, you know, for, for the rest of my life. If you were going to live forever and you found that out at age 29 or maybe at the worst of your despair when you were like binge eating. Yeah. I, I think those pain, the pain that we feel turns into our purpose because that's what gets us out of there. But if you're in that pain and you know you're going to live forever, what would actually motivate you to get out? Because you're like, oh, well, I have tomorrow. Yeah, totally agree. But um, uh, but for everyone else out there uh, kind of listening, it's just like it sounds kind of morbid and it's not a pleasant thing to think yeah. about. But um, one thing that I, I used to do, I used to have an app is, is, is how many days you're, you're mm. going to live. Mm. And so it's a countdown timer and you can adjust like when you think you're going to die. And it's that'll that'll wake the shit up. I mean, you'll mm -hmm. look at it because I have, I have the alert. I was like, okay, you, you only have 10,342 days left. It's like, 
yeah, that's not that many. And, and then, then that's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. But that just helps you appreciate a life a lot more. And we were talking about panic attacks earlier. A lot of entrepreneurs and high-strung people have panic attacks. And the panic attacks, I was talking to some friends about it. And a panic attack, for those of you who don't know what they are, haven't had them, basically it just feels like you're, you're really going to die, like your heart's going to fail or you can't breathe. I mean, you, you really think you're going to die. So much so that you, most people in the first stages of it will literally drive themselves to the emergency room and say, I think I'm having a heart attack on that. Um, but that experience allowed me, when I had a phase of panic attacks, it allowed me every time I had a panic attack and I was in the hospital convincing the doctor no you're wrong it's not a panic attack my heart is gonna stop it's like an hour in like i'm having a heart attack sir let me in it's like uh, a great conversation right now yeah i know but 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 you don't believe it um because it feels so real but it feels so real like you're going to die so you're you're you face death every time you have a panic attack because you think you're gonna die Mm -hmm. and when that panic attack goes away then you have a whole new it's like wow i have a whole new lease on life Mm-hmm. Um, on that, and that's um, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't wish panic attacks on anybody. But if you do have them, embrace that. <laughs> embrace it. Take embrace it. it yeah. and take it in because it actually can be a good thing. Yeah. No, uh, I probably relive my death at least once a day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I went to a Tony Robbins event, and this is like I'm. I'm always trying to get into the source or like get myself because you can't really learn with your mind you have to learn almost with your body right you have to almost emotionally and subconsciously burn it into your soul that life is so damn short you can't just logically think about it your body needs to be aware so you could freaking be urgent about it and the reason why i look like i'm on freaking like cocaine all the time and just like always on edge and just like doing this all the time is i remember when and i told the story so many times before um in like some of the old videos and stuff is I remember when I went to a Tony Robbins event, there was like 8,000 people in the room. And I remember I was 21 or 22. And what Tony did, he's, he had every all the kids leave. So he knew it was going to be serious. All the kids were like running off. He was like, okay, bye, Tony. And Tony's like, okay, close your eyes. <laughs> you know, this deep voice. And he had everyone imagine like the last day of their life. And then I remember at 22, I was like, oh, that would suck. Because I'm 22. I didn't have that much life experience, right? And he, he had us imagine us on our deathbed, surrounded by our loved ones, and not just surrounded by our loved ones, but as we were looking in the eyes of the doctor, telling our mom or our wife or our girlfriend at the time that we are no longer going to live, that we're about to die, around them, imagine all of like the dreams, the goals, the aspirations, the things that you could have done had you have had the courage to actually do the thing that you knew you needed to do. And... I remember when I was like thinking about it, I was like 22, I was like, oh man, that would suck. That was like the first thing that could come to my mind. Oh, that would suck. But then he was like, I want you to make the noise of what it would be like on your last dying breath, looking at the person that you could have been, Mm. that person looking at you just in sheer disappointment that you never started that relationship. You never started that business. You never told the person that you always want to say the thing that you want, or you never expressed love to your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife when they were actually alive and when you were alive. And make the sound that you would make knowing that that person that you could have seen, that greatness, that amazing human being, can never happen because you were too scared. That's going to be a horrible, horrific sound. Well, here's the thing. There was 8,000 people in the room. Wow. And I'm just this punk-ass 22-year-old kid. There was people in their 70s and their 80s. 8,000 screams, man. Like It instilled into me this new level of urgency 
that if I was going to live forever, I, I don't know if I would have had the balls to fucking go to Asia to seek a very uncomfortable situations, go to places where it really gets my ego in place and really chucks my humbleness at the door, right? And every single day, and it's so weird because I'll just be like chilling on the road, like on my scooter, like listening to some podcast, and out of nowhere, it just throws me back in that. I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to die. All of those little nuances that I complain about of, oh, you know, traffic sucks on the shortcut or, oh, my business isn't scaling to the levels that I want it. And I'm like, well, fuck, if I was going to die right now, would any of that matter? And I was like, well, what would matter? Conversations like this, man, like yeah. hanging out with amazing people like you. And it's so weird about that life thing. And I think entrepreneurs, they all kind of have that innate feeling of fearing death. That's why they want to be really freaking successful so they can just buy a bunch of stem cells and <laughs> shove them in their penises. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, definitely a healthy dose of like of awareness of death. Yeah. There's definitely a healthy dose of it. Um, I didn't do the Tony Robbins thing, but when you were talking about that and I was listening to you and um, my first panic attack, I, I didn't even know what a panic attack was. And I came into the emergency room and I'm like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they could tell the look on my face. And so they, they, they just admit you go right to the front of the line. You go to a separate room where people are having heart attacks or can. And they just start hooking up things to you right away to see, see if you really are. And they didn't know what was wrong with me. There was something going on with my heart, but they didn't know. And they're being very cautious. And so I'm in, the, I'm in there for like an hour. And, uh, and I contact my, my kids. I have my kids come over. And my kids are around my bed i think i'm dying so oh, i'm telling my kids i'm telling my kids like this is uh this is I, i'm trying to give them all these little life lessons and like and i don't know if i'm gonna die right away or whatever and and it was it, it was that experience that you had with tony robbins but real but in real in, in there kids, and, and it's and it's like um looking at them and they're crying and i'm crying i mean it's like it's real it's as real as real gets um, you know, obviously it wasn't a heart attack. And about two hours later, the doctor came in and said, you're just having a panic attack. I'm like, what the hell is a panic attack? <laughs> so, but yeah, I think a healthy dose of, of like your mortality is really, really important to have. Uh, you're certainly going to be more appreciative mm. of your days on this earth and what you're going to do. What was your yeah. biggest regrets when you thought you were going to die on that bed? Oh, that, that I wasn't, the biggest one was that I was not going to see my kids turn into adults. I, I felt like I'd been robbed. I was just like, this, this is, this is not right. You know? And yeah. did anything else matter? Or was that the only thing? Like that was, that, that, that was the most, uh, salient thought that I had yeah. in my mind. I, it, it, it's, I wasn't focused on like on me, not that that's not a bad thing. Or I'm not saying that at all. It's just that for me, with the kids standing right there, it was like, I was, it was just all about them. I'm like, these incredible little human beings, I'm, I, think, I don't think I'm going to be able to see them grow up. I'm not going to be a part of their lives. I'm, I'm being robbed of something mm. like that. I wasn't thinking about uh, success or money or anything like, like that because that just wasn't the environment there. Mm. And at that time, I had a pretty healthy dose of success. So I wasn't really... Th thinking about that at the time. But how, how did you cure the uh, panic attacks? Um, I left the U.S. <laughs> Leave the U.S. if you are having panic I attacks. I literally, yeah, I left the U.S. Yeah. And it was just like, 
they just went away. And I don't know if it has you know, different stress levels or what. I have no idea. And uh, I don't want to sound like anti-American. But, I, but yeah, I left the U.S. And uh-huh. just like they just went away. Because like what you're describing, I feel like I had like a mini panic attack the other day. It's like, what is this? It's crazy. Yeah. Was it, was it breathing or your heart? Yeah, or your I felt chest? like, what is this, a heart attack? Like what? Yeah. I woke up at like 3 a.m. And I was like, <gasps> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake up in the middle of the night because yeah. because you can't breathe. Yeah, and then your heart. And yeah, your heart. You're like, what is going on? So it happened like two two times in a row, and then last night I was like, what is going on with me? So I was like trying to listen like meditation and stuff like that, and just like there's no downside to meditation. So I think it was like we had a conversation about being in your head, and it's just like my mind was going about all these things, and then um, just. Being in the present, I think it's starting to help me, like, not have these panic attacks. So last night was, like, the first night of good sleep I've had in, like, a week. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and why did you think you had a good night's sleep? What were the things I, that led I, up to it? I'm, I'm thinking that it's because I'm um, I'm listening to more positive, like, think, like trying to drown out the things in my head and replacing it with uh, positive, like, meditate, like guided meditations and stuff like that. So it's not my default program running on, in my head. It's just, like, me s- listening to something else, and that helps me fall asleep. And then once I'm asleep, I feel like I'm good. Yeah, it always comes back, you know, um, performance, to be a higher-performing human being. It always comes back to the basics. We all know what to do. It's like, yeah, I should probably meditate a few minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I should probably stop drinking as much alcohol. I should probably go to the gym. I should probably, you know, not work as much. It all comes back to that kind of stuff, you know. And I think I would probably, with me leaving the United States, I was a little bit, I was, I was, it was easier for me to do that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But I think you're on the right track. You're starting meditation, being more aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, if, you, if you're a coffee drinker, I would, you know, cut that stuff off at mm-hmm. 10 or 11 in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, because that stuff doesn't help out mm-hmm. with the panic attacks. Well, they even say that anxiety and depression is just stagnant energy. So you just got to like move it around, you know, and man, but it's so crazy. Just that entire shift. And there's like so many freaking questions that just open up on that because so many people face these problems yet everyone just gloss over it. And then they work alone and they never want to reach out because we have this thing in society where we are the masculine. We shouldn't reach out for help and we'll just kind of go into our bubble but it's so crazy because you never had an ego about it. You were always looking for help. Yeah. Right. I, I was, I, it, well, when I was, yeah, when I was 42, yeah, that's when I, I was, I was like, I'm, I'm raising my hand. I need help. The, I need I help. help. Me, I need, me. Yeah, I'm over here. I want an I, island. I need some help. <laughs> yeah. And stuff. And I think that's a huge thing. But I mean, I mean, one thing that just makes everyone feel more empowered is just think of the last time that you connected with another human being it could have been on a plane ride of a complete stranger and you're talking and and all of a sudden you part ways you'll never see him again it's like man i felt more connected to that person in this two hours than i have you know my brothers my sisters or whatever and it's just like that human connection is so important and so healing so you i I think that's all part and we all know that right we know that inherently and we feel good about it you know, so it's really good to take the yeah, time out so, to do that. It's so weird uh, because at the end of the day, all of this biohacking, all of these things that we can do to our body, it will not do anything if we don't have human connection. Yeah, that's the bottom line. I, I think I think it's, uh, are you familiar with like fractals? A little bit. Fractals are interesting. So for those that don't know, fractals are kind of like the shape that the more you zoom into it, it's kind of trippy. It just, it just never ends. Right? Like for example, a tree is a fractal because if you keep on going to a tree, 
no matter how far deep you get in a cellular level, it's still going to look like a tree, hmm. right? Or a snowflake. But it's the exact same thing I feel like with our cells hmm. and how we operate with the world, right? So I think, and I'm not a specialist because you know, I was supposed to be a dentist, so I don't know anything about diseases. So don't, don't really like hold me to this. But for example, some people that have disease will just go cancer, right? Uh, for example, like I have a lot of family members that had cancer. And when you look at what a cancer is, it's like this cell in your body that thinks it's alone. And then because it thinks it's alone, even though there's all these healthy cells around, it just starts multiplying because it's just afraid, right? And it just freaks out to the point where due to the cell feeling alone, it's what actually is the demise. But then you look at a grander scheme of things, and most of the times a person that's having the, the disease or the dis-ease in their life, it's because same way how that cell feels like it's alone and it freaks out, or in this case maybe has a panic attack and just like starts duplicating, something in that personal life on how that cell communicates with other cells is exactly how they communicate with other human beings, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that hundred percent. That's a really inter interesting perspective. If to go from the right? micro to like the macro, uh, using that same kind of train of thought um, and human connection. So um, we had the biggest uh, experiment uh, during the Vietnam War. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, an estimated 800,000 troops that were going to be coming home from the Vietnam War mm. that were all addicted to heroin. Mm. This is one of the most addictive street drugs out there, and they just that's how they dealt with it out there, right? So President Nixon, I think it was Nixon at the time, he put together a whole team of people like, like we don't want to uh, unleash almost a million addicts on the oh, streets man, here. That's gonna be like the Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that are trained that are that are trained killers, right? Oh my god! So it's like, man, this is this is really serious. Well, what happened is is that they came back and they they're all prepared for this and stuff, and it's like the psychologists and the nurses and stuff are coming back and reporting, and they're saying. These guys are fine, you know, and it's like, no, you're wrong. And they, and Nixon fired a bunch of them, rebuilt the staff up. There's got to, you've got these, got these addicts out there. Um, and the thing is, is that they reproduced that same experiment with rats. And so they took rats and they put rats in a cage, this ugly little uh, <laughs> cage with steel floors and stuff. You know, it's like being in jail, right? Mm -hmm. And they ate them two types of water. One had heroin in it and the other was just water. Over time, they get addicted to the heroin, right? Mm -hmm. And then they eventually kill themselves because they just overdose. Well, they took that same experiment with the two different bottles, giving the rats a choice. But now they put rats in what they called rat he heaven. And it was like all these rats in this great environment. Mm -hmm. And they had all the cheese that they wanted. And there was a nice ratio of male to female. Oh, and they had toys. <laughs> there was two female rats for every one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was, just, it was an awesome place to be. And guess what happened? They chose the regular water on their own, not mm. the heroin. And then they did something really interesting. They took those poor rats that were by themselves that were addicted, and they put them inside those cages to see what they would do. And guess what they did? They cured themselves. And that's exactly happened because of connection. The point is human connection or rat connection. They, you have to belong to a community, mm. whether that's a community of one, two, or five, or 11, or your tribe, or whatever. And the same thing happened with the Vietnam War. They were in that cell, like the rats were, and they had the choice of the two waters, and they chose the one to deal with it because they were alone. Because addiction is not 
about the drugs. Addiction is about connection with mm. people. If you lack connection, you're, you're going to you're going to want to attract to something. You need to connect to something. And, and because we're creatures of the least path of resistance, we're going to go for the drugs, or we're going to go for the food, or we're going to go for the alcohol, or we're going to go for the social media, or we're going to do the binge-watching movies for six, seven hours. And really what we want and what we need deep down inside, every cell in our body needs it. They need to feel connected. you got to feel connected with human beings, and you've got to take some time every day to do that shit. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, like, like real, you, you can have, like, funny connections, and you can have love connections, and you can have really vulnerable connections. you got to have all levels of those because that's part of being human, man. And when you do that, you're not going to reach for the heroin, you know? Uh, or if you have been reaching for the heroin, that's how you're going to cure yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connection. Oh, it's so weird because uh, I remember, and I'm just bringing it back to the Tony Robbins thing, because... His stepdad ended up dying. His his stepdad was a man that didn't want to talk to anybody. He was uh, very antisocial. He never could connect with anybody. And because of that, he had a very tough time uh, with Tony when they were, like, getting older or whatever, right? But you never guess what he actually died with when he actually died. It was connective tissue disorder. Wow. How wow. poetic is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh that's that blows my mind. I, I definitely love like what you're talking about because that's something that's not talked about at all. Right? It's not enough for sure. It's like, let me just shoot up. Yeah. Even like, say how some people shoot up heroin. Some people like shoot up. In, in this work. case, like they work, shoot up work, work, or even like stem cells. Right? Some people will go without actually having a purpose, like what you have. Yeah. And they'll they'll wonder, I'm doing all this biohacking stuff, but how come I just feel like I'm not? It's not working, right? Yeah. yeah. You're missing the human connection. So what are you doing right now to increase that human connection? Because when you have the body that you want, when you have more money than you know you to do with, so you're focusing on the health part. Right. How are you actually getting that? Because it seems like the more you get into that higher level of where you are right now, it's almost like this thing that doesn't even make sense because it also increases your loneliness if you're not careful to how... Like, if you're always going towards the health and the success part of things, you're almost kind of drawing a line with regular, normal human beings that don't have islands or pay, like, obscene amount of taxes, where you can no longer even relate to them. And you have, like, billionaires. Someone was, like, worth $4 billion, He lost $2 billion. He's like, you know, screw this. I'm unworthy. And he kills himself. Yeah. Even though he, only had, he still has $2 billion left. Right. Right? How, how are you finding the human connection when you are at... I would say the most elite in terms of your fitness, your finances, and even just overall happiness and well-being. Yeah, it just, it's just simple things. It's just like when we're, when we're kids, or at least when I was a kid, some of the happiest times were just in the playground, yeah. playing with friends. Um, Where's your and, playground? Yeah, yeah, the playground. I mean, it's like, like today, right now, it's recording this. This is Friday, right? This is fun. And every Friday, I have the same thing I do all the time, whether... You know, my kids aren't with me right now. They'll be here um, the follow the week afterwards. Yeah. But we we uh, every Friday is the same thing for me. It's like okay, we're we're gonna do some kind of dinner at home, not a restaurant, mm-hmm. whatever. And we're either gonna invite friends over, a combination of friends, and maybe a neighbor, uh, or like uh, I just found a guy here 
who uh, I found somebody really good to cut my hair. It was kind of hard to find. You know, you find the right oh, person. Oh, no, I, I have a really good person. He could yeah. go straight to your house. No, I, I got somebody who's awesome. But I'm okay. already like, he, he's, oh, he's yeah. perfect. So I was like, okay, great. So it's like, I'm going to invite him over sometime, you yeah. know? And it just make the connection. So I have that one day a week that if everything went nuts, I've got that connection right there. Uh, but then I also make sure I've got another day during the week where it's, it's at least sometime blocked out where I'm contacting a friend. You know, and I've got a couple of friends we all have them out there where you can just talk about nothing for like four hours and have a great time. But yeah. you knew, you had no idea what you just talked about. And, and, and you need that kind of stuff. At the same time, you need a deeper level of somebody you can really get vulnerable with on that. So you can kind of get the different spectrums, I think, on that. But, yeah, that's what I do because I don't, I, I don't do the 16, 18-hour grind. I, I did that for the first year. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's miserable. Yeah, I did that so much. And actually, the reason why I created the podcast was almost like a selfish reason to actually get more human connection. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now, like, it's so interesting because, like, we know each other, but, like, I didn't actually know much about your story other than, like, the whispers. You know? Even just, like, sitting here, like, in front of you, and there's, like, no phones on us. We're not thinking about anything else. And just, like, being really present on who you are as a person like, it's really hitting me, like, holy crap, I thought you were amazing before, but, dude, you are such an amazing human being, you know? And I wish you just lived forever and ever so that, like, like a thousand years in the future, you're still doing your dance moves and still inspiring <laughs> the next generation of people that just feel lost, stuck, scared, unwanted, unloved, and really giving them hope, man. So it's, like, kind of, it, it's amazing because your voice even though you're not focusing on your personal brand, your voice alone, even just talking to me and like the people that you almost like bless as you walk around through life, you are making such an amazing impact in their life. And I don't even know if you know just to the extent that you're actually changing people's lives. And I think it doesn't matter like how much money you have. I don't even care if like you're more shredded than me. Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like <laughs> we're really close, we're really close. Just give me time. But man, dude, you just have this aura, this energy about you that just, it's its such, it's so amazing to see, man. Oh, I appreciate that. And like, I truly appreciate it. And is there, where can people find you? Um, where, really where's, your address? Yeah. <laughs> where's your address? Where's your address? Social media. Chris, Chris Winters, you'll find social media, basically just yeah. Facebook and Instagram. Amazing, man. Yeah. So, hey, thank you so much. I know we have to do karaoke and dinner. Bam, tonight. And it is a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Cool. Had a good time. Huh?